You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. wants you to do is goes, I'm mad at the world, so I'm not going to go to study. Who are you hurt? <laughs> yourself. You're hurting yourself because of all the places that you need to be is fellowship. And when we fellowship with God's people, something wonderful happens. Ruth wanted to experience that. And she wanted to dwell among God's people in Bethlehem. Ruth trusted God's grace and she threw herself on his mercy, even though she was excluded by the law. In today's message, Pastor Dave will remind you to not allow your feelings to impact your actions. Many may have had the experience of having a bad day, so we don't go to church or Bible study. Really, this hurts us more than anyone else. It's in those tough days that we need Christ, the Bible, and fellowship the most. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Ruth chapter 3. As he begins his message, it's complicated. Ruth chapter 3, verse 12 is where we're beginning. Now it is true that I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Boaz is speaking. Stay this night and in the morning it shall be that he will, if he will perform the duty of a close relative for you, good. Let him do it. But if he does not want to perform the duty for you, then I will perform the duty for you as the Lord lives. Lie down until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, and she arose before, no one, uh, before one could recognize another. Then he said, Do not let it be known that, uh, that the woman came to the threshing floor. Also he said, Bring the shawl that is on you and behold it. And when she held it, he measured six ephahs of barley and laid it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Is that you, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her. And she said, These six ephahs of barley he gave me, for he said to me, Do not go empty-handed to your mother-in-law. Then she said, Naomi, Sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out. For the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. So it must have seemed like a long, long time since Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi, left the land of Moab and traveled 50-some-odd miles back to Israel. You know that Ruth had chosen to accompany Naomi to her homeland. So Ruth left the land of her childhood. She left her mother and her father and accompanied Naomi, not knowing what lay ahead. And even though the circumstances seemed to be against her, and she could have been bitter against the God of Israel for taking her husband, she declared allegiance to Jehovah, telling her mother-in-law, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. She had come to know the one true living God. She wished to dwell with the people in his land. Why? Because the grace of God fell upon her 
and she experienced God's grace in a personal and emotional and experiential way. She knew the grace of God. And even though all the obstacles that were before her, her background, well, she was an enemy of Israel. She was an idol worshiper. She was considered unclean and a foreigner. Yet God had mercy upon her, and she recognized it. She recognized God's mercy upon her. And she was willing to forsake all others and cleave to Naomi, cleave to God's people, and cleave to God. So she confessed her love for her mother-in-law and a desire to stay with her until death. She made an oath to her mother-in-law, the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me and you. Ruth was determined to accompany Naomi to Bethlehem and live among God's people. Something special when you live among God's people. Something special when we fellowship one to another. Something special when we gather together. First and foremost, whether two or three are gathered, Jesus appears in their midst. And the Holy Spirit works in us. But when we gather with the saints, when we gather with the brethren, something special happens. And there's a good feeling. And the evil one knows that. The first thing he wants you to do is cut out fellowship. The first thing he wants you to do is goes, I'm mad at the world, so I'm not going to go to study. Well, who are you hurting? <laughs> yourself. You're hurting yourself because of all the places that you need to be is fellowship. And when we fellowship with God's people, something wonderful happens. Ruth wanted to experience that. And she wanted to dwell among God's people in Bethlehem. Ruth trusted God's grace and she threw herself on his mercy even though she was excluded by the law. Deuteronomy 23.3, I'll read it for you. Deuteronomy 23.3, this is a review of the law that Moses writes. He says, an Ammonite or Moabite shall not enter the assembly of the Lord even to the 10th generation, none of his descendants shall enter the assembly of the Lord forever. Remember, Ruth is a Moabite. She was excluded by law. Guess what, folks? You and I were excluded by the law also. We were excluded by the law from being in the family of God. We were excluded by the law. And when we read that verse that I've been reading for a while, that Paul writes in Ephesians 2, verse 11, Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world, but now... In Christ Jesus, you have, who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Amen. Why? Because John says in 117, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. What a wonderful picture that is. What a glorious picture that is of God for us. What hope there is for us. The hope we have in him. We were once excluded because of the law. The law wasn't even given to the Gentiles. It didn't even come to us. We were excluded. We might as well have been an Ammonite. 
or a Moabite excluded from the assembly. But God. I love that. Two words that I just can't get out of my head. But God. Ever since the two women entered Bethlehem, Ruth had been working. She immediately went to work, gleaning in the fields. She finds herself in the middle of the field belonging to a man named Boaz. And upon meeting Boaz, she finds favor in his sight. He took care of her. He fed her. He protected her. He allowed her to continue to glean and even share in the reaper's first cut. Remember? They said, even when you cut, leave some for her. Leave some for her. But Satan thought he had a great defeat. Satan thought he had done it. He had really done it. He had gotten rid of the Son of God. He, he had taken him away. But he didn't. Because on that cross, Satan was defeated and became powerless. See, what I get from this as we read through this book, and we've talked about it before, God is so ever concerned with every single aspect of your lives. There are those in the world who call themselves deists. They call themselves deists. And you might hear that some of the founding fathers were actually deists. Thomas Jefferson is the most famous one who was a deist. What a deist believes in, they believe in God, but they don't believe that God is invested in your life. God is not in control of your life, nor does he care about your life. That's what a deist believes. Whereas that is totally opposite of what we read in Scripture. Totally opposite of what we read, where God is highly involved in the people's lives. He's highly involved in his children, just like any parent would be involved in their children's lives. God is highly involved. He's concerned about the details of the life. And that fact alone should give us courage. And it should give us joy as we seek to live each and every day to please Him. He cares for us. He cares for you. He cares for you immensely. He cares what's happening to you. He cares about your life. He cares about your growth in Him. He cares about your salvation. He cares about all the... If He didn't care about your salvation, He wouldn't have sent Christ to, to come to earth. But He cares for you. Deeply for you. I don't think we can comprehend how much he really cares for us. I don't think we can comprehend how much he loves us. I believe it might be incomprehensible, especially with my finite mind. So there was this transformation in the heart of Ruth as she found favor with Boaz. And as she was gleaning, she started to, to, to see things happening in her favor. But there was also a transformation happening in Naomi. Seeing Ruth's faith and hope restored this gave Naomi a renewed faith and a renewed hope. And that's what happens in our lives. You've been ministering to someone who has been down and who has been really struggling. And all of a sudden, they catch, the, they catch it. They glean from it that which we were trying to tell them. And they become really excited. You get excited too. And, and the feeling becomes, wow. And you get a re sense of, of restoration. You get a sense of refreshing. It seems that the man, Boaz whose field Ruth had been gleaning from, was a close relative. And Naomi told Ruth that he was their Goel, Kingsman Redeemer. See, the Kingsman Redeemer could rescue relatives from poverty and give them a new beginning. Naomi knew this. Naomi saw this. 
But Naomi also had a hope because of what Boaz did for Ruth. He showed her kindness to this foreigner. He took a personal interest into her situation. And after hearing the words Boaz spoke to Ruth, Naomi's hope soared to new heights when she discerned that Boaz actually had love for Ruth. Had love for her. He reveals his desire to make Ruth happy. It's obvious, Naomi, that Boaz's plans included Ruth, which in turn would include her as well. So she was excited. She was happy. She had new hope. Her life has been restored. She was no longer calling herself bitter, Mara. Should we not rejoice in Christ? When we consider who he is? When we consider what he has done and what he says to us in his word? There's absolutely no reason for us to ever feel hopeless. Ever. And this is why I said when I was talking to you about our songs, don't just mouth the songs. Think about what you're saying. Think about what you're singing. These songs all have meaning. A lot of them are scriptural. And when you're saying these things, when you're singing these things, you're singing scripture. And you're, you're being lifted up. You're being fulfilled. And I can see your face in many of you. It's just a wonderful time. And that's what worship does for us. There's absolutely no reason for us to feel hopeless. Jesus Christ is God. He died for us, and now he intercedes on our behalf in heaven. And in 2 Peter 1.4, we read that through Christ we have exceedingly great and precious promises. And we know that his word can't fail. We know that his love can't fail. We sang that this afternoon. So no matter how we feel today, no matter what difficulty you may be going through, we can rejoice in the hope as we focus on our Redeemer and by faith believe that he's working all things together for good. Don't go by what you see, folks. Go by what is unseen. Go by the eternal. Think on the eternal. Don't look at the circumstances. Get your eyes off the circumstances and look to Christ. Naomi speaks to Ruth and tells her to go to Boaz and present herself to him, asking him to marry her because he is their Goel. Ruth does all that she's asked to do, and she goes to the threshing floor, a place where there is not supposed to be a woman because Boaz is there threshing wheat. She waits until Boaz retires for the night. She uncovers his feet and she lays down. At midnight, Boaz awakens to find this woman lying at his feet in the position of a servant. She identifies herself, I'm Ruth, and asks Boaz to be her Goel, basically proposing marriage to him. And up to this point, everything seems to be going according to Naomi's plan. And I'm sure everything was going according to Ruth's plan, too. Ruth had done all she could, and she followed Naomi's instructions, instructions to a T. Ruth's heart must have been beating a mile a minute as she gazed into Boaz's eyes in the darkness as they spoke on the threshing floor. Boaz answers her and says in verse 10, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning in that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request. 
for all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. Was Ruth hearing him correctly? Was he really going to do everything that she had requested? This was probably more than Ruth could fathom. God had truly done a miraculous thing in his life. He had taken an alien far into the covenants of Israel, someone who had not been his child, who has not been his people, someone who had been far from him, and now he's bringing them to himself. Sometimes knowing you are forgiven of all sin is just too much to bear. Sometimes when you realize that you have been forgiven of all your sin, past, present, and future, it becomes too much to bear. It's an overwhelming thought. Trying to process that the creator of the universe loved you so much that because of your faith in Jesus Christ, he has now forgiven you of your sin and adopted you into his family. And you are now one of his children with an inheritance to boot. All because you believed in Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Ruth's mind must have been spinning. Ruth's mind must have been really going on. Did he just say what I thought he said? She'd probably look around for somebody to tell. She'd probably look around for somebody to say, wait a minute, did you hear? Come over here. Let me repeat it. Did you hear that? God was doing something marvelous in her life, and she was about ready to shout it out. But I'm sure the next words out of Boaz's mouth stop time for Ruth. Stop time. See, it was obviously that Ruth was in love with Boaz. Obvious. And it seemed that he was also in love with her. What could possibly go wrong? Wasn't God doing a mighty work? Well, it's complicated. It's complicated. Look at 12 and 13. Boaz is still speaking. Now it is true that I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Stay this night and in the morning it shall be that if he will perform the duty of close relative for you, good. Let him do it. But if he does not want to perform the duty for you, then I will perform the duty for you. As the Lord lives, lie down until morning. What? Another kinsman closer? This is good news. And it's bad news. The good news is Ruth is going to be redeemed. Bad news is it might not be Boaz. She doesn't have a choice here. Ruth does not have a choice here according to the law. What seems to be a simple plan now becomes just a wee bit more complicated. In Bethlehem, there was another relative who was closer than Boaz. And according to the law of Moses, he was the true Goel. He was the true kinsman redeemer, and he had first rights. What's interesting to me here is that Boaz was straightforward with Ruth. He didn't lead her on. He was straightforward with her. He held nothing back. He didn't give her false hope nor did he take advantage of the position. See, joy and peace that are based on ignorance of true facts are really delusions. If your joy and peace is based on something other than truth, then you are in delusion. And these delusions always lead to disappointment. 
Ruth had to know the truth so she could continue to trust in God who knew, she knew, had everything under control. She had to know the truth. Boaz's greatest concern here, what was Boaz's greatest concern? What do you think? What was Boaz's greatest concern? His greatest concern was that Ruth would be redeemed. That was his greatest concern. Even if another relative had to accomplish it. I like Boaz. I like him. Let's look at the picture book. Remember our picture book? Let's turn the page. We get another view of our redemption in Jesus Christ. We're strongly reminded that God obeyed his own law when he accomplished our salvation. Ezekiel 14.8 says, The soul who sins shall die. This fact that God did not go around his own law. He didn't evade it. He didn't avoid it. He sent his son to fulfill the law. He was God. He could have found another way. He was God. But he didn't evade that point. 8.32 in Romans, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Of course, the picture breaks down because there was no closer relative. There was no other kinsman to redeem the lost world. It had to be Jesus Christ. It had to be God's son. In Acts 4.12 it says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. There was no other. So Ruth thinks she's being going to have a fiancé. And Boaz says, it's a little more complicated than that. We spoke of these before. Complications. Just when you think everything's going according to God's plan. Everything's working according to God's plan. And you know it's the Lord. You've seen it time after time. You're comfortable that the Lord's working here. Everything's working fine. And all of a sudden, it's complicated. Something happened. You don't get out of that hospital bed as soon as you thought because a complication sets in. Something happens with the bank loan that you knew God was getting the money for you so you could purchase this thing. Something happens. Something happens when you think everything's going on smoothly. All of a sudden, something happens. Why? I think it's because God wants us to trust him. And God wants to build your faith. God wants to build your faith. Yeah, you'll trust in me for the great times. You'll trust in me in all these wonderful things that I'm doing in your life. Look how happy you are. You're trusting me all of a sudden. But guess what? You're not going to get out of that hospital bed today. You've got to stay for a little bit longer. And you get all upset. And God says, wait a minute. Have I changed? Have I become some other different God? Am I not still the same God? Just because the complication arose doesn't mean he's changed. You are Thanks for tuning in for today's edition of A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave. Obedience can be difficult when life hits you with hard things or when your flesh desires to go its own way. But in the book of Ruth, we learn about the importance of obedience and the blessing that comes with it. Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz reflect different characteristics of God that you can learn from 
Things like sacrifice, faith, and loyalty, each of them committed to living a life of honor and righteousness before the Lord, no matter how complicated life got. We're so glad you joined us today to study the book of Ruth. If you'd like to hear this message again or others from Pastor Dave, be sure to visit our website, assurehoperadio.com. Feel free to share any teachings you find there. If you have questions or would like us to pray with you, please don't hesitate to call us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We'd be honored to pray with you. Are you looking for a church home? If so, we'd love for you to join us here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. for worship and Bible study, and we do have child care available. You can get directions and more information when you visit assurehoperadio.com. If you can't be with us in person just yet, that's okay. We're still streaming our weekly services online through Facebook. Visit our website to connect. Again, that's assurehoperadio.com. That's all the time we have for today. We hope you'll join us next time for another edition of Assure Hope.